This gospel account is often called uh, the parable of the prodigal son. However, I think there's a better name for it. It should be the parable of the amazing, incredible love of a father. Just think how much the father loves the son of his who has disowned him, who has, has left him. And yet there it is. There is this love that we can't even put probably into proper words. The parables before this speak the same thing. Where Jesus uses these parables because the Pharisees are asking him, how can you be with, the, with these tax collectors? How can you be with these, these sinners? What he wants to show them is that God wants to show love to even those maybe better yet, especially those who have fallen away from him. And so he uses examples that just don't make sense. Using the example of the shepherd. Which one of you would not leave the 99 behind to go get the lost sheep? No one would do that. That would be the dumbest thing possible. In all honesty, I'm going to leave these 99 so that the wolf can attack them so I can go get that one. Who's going to rejoice in that? But he goes and says right at the end, I tell you in just the same way there'll be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who have no need of repentance. By the way, who are, who are the sinners? We're, we're, all, we're all sinners. We're not all called to be sinners, but we are all sinners. We hear about this in our second reading from St. Paul today where he says, I am the foremost in the sinners. Of course, there's other parable that the ten lost the, the lost coin of the ten. Once again, it doesn't make sense. And yet Jesus is showing that there's going to be rejoicing among the angels of God over one sinner who repents. And then we have this story of the son who comes to his senses. And I love this line. He came to his senses. And he's going to go back uh, to, to his father. He's going to go and say, I have sinned against, against you and against heaven. Treat me as one of your hired workers. So he gets up and goes to the father. We actually have this for a responsorial psalm today. It's our antiphon where it says, I will rise and go to my father. But the psalm that we have is Psalm 51. And this is a beautiful psalm to pray, especially maybe after we have sinned. We're recognizing our sin. That we can go to the Father and ask for his infinite mercy. Psalm 51 is written by David, by the way, after his major sin. What was that major sin? Well, we know the story. David goes and, and takes uh, the wife of Uriah, takes the wife of Bathsheba into his house. He commits adultery as Uriah is out battling for King David to protect the, the country. By the way, King David should have been there in the first place, so he's already slacking. But then he falls in this sin. Bathsheba lets him know, I am pregnant. So what does David do? Does he take, you know, responsibility? No. He goes, he calls Uriah back to check in, trying to let Uriah be with his, his wife, Bathsheba. 
And yet Uriah is completely loyal to King David to the point that David has to send him off to battle again and have him killed. He doesn't want anyone to know about it until the prophet calls him out. Prophet Nathaniel calls him out and all of a sudden that guilt comes upon David. And what does he do? It's the same thing maybe when we fall into to sin. Maybe as a child we fall into trouble. We have two options. We can continue to try to hide, which is never a good idea, by the way, or we can go to our parents and admit. The same way with God as well. Lord, I have sinned. And so we go to this father, and what do we say? Well, what did King David say? Have mercy on me, O God, in your goodness. and the greatness of your compassion, wipe out my offense. Thoroughly wash me from my guilt, and of my sin cleanse me. A clean heart create for me, O God, and a steadfast spirit renew within me. Cast me not out from your presence, and your Holy Spirit take not from me. The psalm continues to go on, by, by the way. But casting not from your presence, that should bring to mind already our first reading today. Here we have it in the Old Testament with Moses and the chosen people, how he has taken the people out of Egypt, out of slavery, bringing them to the promised land. He's giving Moses, he's giving them the Ten Commandments. And what are the people doing down below the mountain? They're worshiping the molten calf. And they're acting in a way that I can't even describe from the pulpit because it would scandalize half the people here. That's how bad they are acting. And so, the, so God goes to Moses and says, listen to your people, listen what they're doing. Let me strike them down. Let me get you a better people, one that's actually going to obey, one that's going to be, be great. And what does Moses do? He implores God's mercy he implores God's compassion to save this people, his people that he promised would be more abundant than the stars in the sky. And so the Lord relents of his punishment. He's moved with compassion. And throughout the Old Testament, we have this. God showing his mercy, God showing his compassion, God showing his forgiveness to the point that he sends only begotten son for who? For us, the sinners. And he wants us to experience the love that only God the Father can give. And so this son, this prodigal son, after he's lived this life of disposition, after he's thrown, squandered everything away, after he's brought scandal upon his family, comes to his senses and says, I will go back to my father and maybe he'll hire me as a hired worker so I can at least eat better than what the swine get. He can't even get what the swine eats. So he comes to his senses, he rises up, and you know that was the hardest thing that he could do was to go back to his father. That was the hardest thing that he could do. But when he came to his senses, he knew that his father was at least a just man. He rose up and he went to his father. Not expecting to be treated like a son, but simply as a hired worker. But this is the shocking part. When his father sees him, what does he do? He runs to him. 
the father runs to the son that brought so much scandal upon the family. The son who wanted nothing to do with him, who disowned him. When he sees his son, he runs to him in a way that only a parent is going to love a child. Even when that child does things, you go, what? How could you? In one sense, but you go, but I love you. And you do. And how much more does God love us than even our own parents can? This showing that God is going to continue to, to run towards us when we come to our senses and when we go to him. So the father runs to the son and he embraces him. And is there any better feeling in the world than a father embracing their child? Have you experienced that as a child? Or maybe your father embraced you in a way that you, you were scared. And he held you in his arms. That kind of almost like a bear hug. Holding you tight to his chest. Maybe you were sad. Maybe someone passed away in, in your life. And someone, maybe not even your father, but someone else took you in and held you tight. What amazing feeling that is. What a great image that is for what God wants to give each and every one of us. To hold us in his embrace and to experience that love that only God can give. And maybe when I use that image for some of us, maybe it brings me a wound, thinking, that's not what my experience was. That's not maybe how, how my father loved me, or I've never experienced that. And so we can be afraid even to go to God because maybe we've been, we've been wounded in the past. And so there's any fear at all of going to God, bring that to him. Lord, I'm, I'm wounded. But I, I hear in scriptures, I hear throughout history how much you want to love each and every one of us. A love which is beyond all understanding. And so we, we go to him. And we show him our wounds. We go to him. We ask for forgiveness. We do this in prayer. We do this in the sacrament of, of confession. And we experience this, this love and mercy that he wants to give. And when we can do this, we're going to experience a God who truly cares for us. And if we're going to other things or to other people to try to experience this love, it's not going to be what we're longing for. It's not going to be fulfilling. And so today we hear this message of this Father, of God the Father, who loves us beyond all understanding. And so we, we go to him. We don't hide from him. But as the prodigal son did, and as the responsible psalm says to do as well, we will rise up and go to this father who is beyond all understanding, who is beyond all ways of ways we can understand love, because in him we will truly have what we are longing for.